0: Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. So what do you normally do on the day after Christmas? Yeah, there it is. Did you hear that? The number one thing people do on the day after Christmas, according to some random poll, sleep. Number two, eat. (laughs) Number three, go back to sleep. I mean, it's just, you just, that's what you do, right? And do you know, this is Boxing Day. Anybody know that? Anybody familiar with Boxing Day? From Canada? Yes. From England? Yes. Uh, This is also, ironically, I did not know this, this is the day President Roosevelt established that Thanksgiving would be celebrated on the fourth Thursday in July, uh, excuse me, in in November. (laughs) Sorry, wrong month. I, I didn't know Thanksgiving had anything to do with today. This is also the day, the first, this is such a great thing, the first coffee percolator was developed today. Aren't you thankful for that? Oh my, I know some of you are going to be, um, you're going to remember this. You ever heard of the curse of the Bambino? This is the day, yep, this is the day that Babe Ruth, was sold to the New York Yankees that started the curse of the Bambino that was broken in 2004. So, if you're a Red Sox fan, maybe this has a special day uh, meaning to you. And then uh, the Beatles released one of the most famous songs on this day, the day after Christmas. You want to guess which one it was? Anybody want to guess what? Yeah, no, that's a good one. Yesterday, nope. That's a great, that's a good guess. Better than July. Uh, I want to hold your hand on this day. And Time Magazine in 1982, on this day, on their cover, honored the person slash object of the year, as they always do. 1982, you want to know what it was? Close. The personal computer. So, all of you streaming, be thankful that (laughs) that that happened. We have a lot of things that happen the day after. But I want to show you a place in the Scripture that gives us a great strategy, a great plan for what do we do now? We celebrated the birth of Jesus. What do we do now, and where do we go now? So let me, let me kind of walk you through. First of all, from the perspective of heaven, Christians, it's really, we don't focus as much on the birth as we do why. In other words, Christmas is really not about coming, it's about going. Okay? Follow me. Jesus left heaven came to us. Yes, born in a manger. Yes, born of a virgin. But he left heaven. At some point, we do the same. We don't leave heaven. We leave where we are. And just hang on to that thought because it'll make sense in just a second. In the Gospels, there's only two Gospels that tell the story of Jesus' birth. One of them is Luke, obviously, and the other one is Matthew. Mark doesn't mention his birth. John does, but in a very uh, almost a theological way. He doesn't really talk about, you know, the events and the details of that night. Did you know there's only one other place in the New Testament that mentions the birth of Jesus? It's the Apostle Paul, Galatians 4. When the fullness of time had come, God gave his son. That's all he says. And you know that there's not even any record of the church, the early church, celebrating the birth of Jesus for the first 250 years. So what I'm saying is the focus of the kingdom was not his birth, but why he was born. The focus was what we do now. In fact, I would say that the details of of how and where, I mean, we're always going to debate that. You know, I personally don't think it was December 25th. I think the date was given to us. I think it might have been in April. I kind of lean toward that just from the evidence that we have. But again, does the day, is it that we have to figure it out exactly the day? No. Because again, the emphasis is not on when, it's on why. So, that means the most important thing we do is after the manger, after the celebration of Christmas. Why did he come? What do we now do? The shepherds give us a great way to do that, a perfect way to do that. And I want you to go to Luke's Gospel, one of the Gospels that actually tells us the details. Go to Luke's Gospel, and um, I know in our home, we always read Luke, and it's kind of fun uh, reading this verse every year, and so it was really fun. I got to tell you something we did that was kind of cool. Rachel, my wife, who's sitting up in the balcony right now, she has been wanting to get all our old VHS tapes and old cassettes that were, you know, with cameras. I remember the first camera that I remember having to video, Uh, I mean, when we brought the first child home, Joshua home, or videoing anything, (laughs) I I got it at JCPenney's on sale. That's why we got it. It was huge. Okay, you see one of these cameras that they got right here? It, It reminded me about the size of that. It wasn't that big, but it was huge. And then it had a cord, big old black cord that goes all the way down, and you had another device hanging on your hip that had the actual VHS tape in it. How many of you, I get a witness in here, you remember those days? Oh my goodness, it was the most painful thing to try to take that thing somewhere in video. But now, my wife said, I want to take every one of our old tapes and I want to get them digitized. And one of the gifts we gave our kids, we gave each one of them the DVDs that have their first year that they had with us and other things and we're going to go through the whole stack but we found something we found something that was a family Christmas card we did it for a church this was in 1990 I think it was 93, 94 and we sat in front of a camera all of us I'm there, Rachel's there Hannah is in her arms Joshua is there and then Andrew. So we've got all the kids, and we recite this story. We're telling this story. Now, of course, we didn't look like we looked today. And so on Christmas Eve night, we told our kids, hey, we got a gift for you. We want you to watch something with us. And we watched, and we laughed, and I'm telling you, it's absolutely one of the funniest things you've ever seen. I felt like a TV evangelist trying to keep everything going. And the whole time, my daughter Hannah is in Rachel's lap with an icy. And she's banging on the cup trying to get (laughs) the last drop of icy. But the reason I tell you that story is what's so cool is everything about us changed. Except one thing. The story. And there were shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night how many times have we read this? It never changes. How many times have we gone back to this text and seen it? What I want to show you is that what happened after the shepherds heard the announcement, they go to see the baby, then what happens? That to me gives us a great clue for what happens after Christmas. So, if you've got a Bible or if you've got a device, go to Luke chapter 2, And we're going to start not in verse 8, which is where we typically read from on Christmas morning. This is verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that the Lord has done. This thing which has happened that the Lord told us about. And they went Now, I don't want to get back into the why the shepherds were the first. I think they were the first because they knew what a lamb was coming to do. They understood things that others did not understand. What I, want to, what I want to focus on is, what did they do? After they went to the manger, after they saw him, and they had witnessed the angels in the sky, I mean, the whole thing had happened, what did they do? And I just want to make it real simple. Number one, they went back to their fields. They return to work. I wish we could stay here all week. I I wish we could just, okay, we're going to celebrate Christmas all year. No, we're not. We're going back to work. You're going back to your neighborhood. You're going back to school. But when you go back to your neighborhoods, when you go back to school, when you go back, you're not the same. And it is important that we return, that we go back to a world that doesn't yet understand or maybe they haven't even heard. The shepherds went back to the sheep. I I know it had to be one of those nights where they couldn't quit talking about it, but they had to take care of sheep. That's what they did for a living. And I'm so thankful that we have opportunities wherever we work. In fact, let me just tell you what I believe. You'll have more opportunities than I do. You'll have more opportunities than any of the pastors here. Because you have access to people we never will have access to. So I think the first thing is, you go back. You don't live here. You don't live in this building. We don't live, this is not our life. This is where we gather. We get a word from the Lord. We worship Him. And then when we leave, we go on mission where He sends us. That's where we live. That's where we work. That's where we play. That's where we are. They returned. The second thing, they worshiped. Immediately. They worshiped. I mean, shepherds. These are shepherds. These aren't guys that are necessarily in the temple. They're not the Levitical singers. They are not worship leaders. They were shepherds. And yet they began to glorify God. In fact, Simeon, who was also in the story of Luke, when he saw the baby— he worshiped. There was a woman, Anna, who was a prophetess, 84 years old, a widow. First thing she did when she saw the baby, she worshiped. It just seems like everywhere you turn in the scripture, the first response when people encounter Jesus and they see his glory, they worship. And how can you not How do you keep your mouth shut, and how are we silent when we consider that He came as a gift for us to take away our sin, to open the gates of heaven, and to give us life and life eternal? My goodness, He's done everything for us. The natural response is we ought to worship. We ought to celebrate. So why don't we, on this day, after Christmas, let's celebrate, because if there's any response, That's appropriate. Every time you get a glimpse into heaven, man, there is some worship going on. They're gathered around the Lamb. They are praising His name. And I just think sometimes we forget the power of worship. I know they tell us that the number one thing a person who does not normally attend church when they go to church, the number one thing they're watching is not the preacher. It's not the band. The number one thing they're watching are those around them. Are they worshiping? Are they singing? Does this mean anything to them? So if you've never been here, if you're a guest, if you're online and you don't know much about us, I can tell you one thing about us. We love to sing the praises of Jesus. We love to worship. And that's why we sing. It just helps us to express what we feel. So the shepherds went back, and they worshiped. And the last thing they did, they told everybody. They told everybody what they'd seen, what they'd heard. Verse 17, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure this one out. When something happens like this, you want to tell somebody, right? You, you want somebody to know. And shepherds, I'm sure, are not normally. They couldn't, even, you know, they couldn't even be a witness in a court case according to the way that they were structured. The Sanhedrin had said, shepherds were not reliable witnesses. You cannot allow them to testify. But this case, they didn't keep their mouth shut. They told They talked to everybody, and they told them what they'd seen. They told them what they had heard, and people looked at them and like, I don't know what to think about this, but at least they told them. You wonder why we wanted a church campus out in Horizon West? Because we want to tell everybody, and we just think it's a lot better way to tell people when you're in the community and you're in their neighborhoods and you're right there with them. And so why did we do that? We wanted to tell the story to as many people as we can. And I'm so thankful that Chris has helped us do that. And it's not the last, and it's not the only. You're gonna hear some things in the coming weeks about the dream and the vision that we have to tell the story over and over, every place. And, And you know the growth here. You know how many people are moving here? How many people live here? And if you've driven around lately, you know it's, people are here. Am I right? They're here. And they're wherever you're trying to go. That's always the case. But that's okay. It's a good thing. Why? Because we got a story to tell, folks. This is why God planted a church here. In 1871, you said, yeah, but Disney wasn't here, but God knew it was coming. Universal wasn't here, but he knew it was coming. SeaWorld wasn't. God knew it all. And he knew he needed a people who were willing to tell what they saw, what they heard, what they've experienced. So it's time we tell our world, Jesus Christ changed our life. Jesus means everything to us. This is why we're here. I just think when you read the story of the woman at the well, she did exactly what the shepherds did. She had to tell somebody. The woman at the well, John 4, she encounters Jesus. He tells her everything about her life, and he demonstrates love, and she just is overwhelmed. And what does she do? She leaves him and goes tells the whole village and brings the village back out. The number one way that it happened in the early days, the days of Jesus when he walked on this earth, the number one way evangelism happened were people saying to others, come and see. Come and meet this guy that changed my life. And that's as simple as it can be. So that means we can be a part of that. It's like we are still in that place. Hey, come see. Come, come experience this. Come and let me show you. And you can tell them your story. You can bring them here. Let them experience it here. It's just a matter of whatever it takes to tell the story. We believe in this so much, we did something really crazy about seven years ago. We found out there were some people on the island of Madagascar that had never had access to the gospel. And I remember praying, God, what are we supposed to do? Danny and I were at a conference, and the call was made. How many churches are willing to take a group of people somewhere on the planet that have never had access to hear the story? They don't know anything about the angels or the shepherds or any of the story. And so we came back, and I stood right here and said, I want you to pray with me about what people group on the island of Madagascar are we supposed to go after and try to take the gospel to? We'll figure it out. We just need to pray and ask God which one. And all of us, we prayed, and we asked God to give us the name. And there were three names. There were the Antimora, the Antifasi, and what was the third one? Antishaka. Antishaka. Okay. So we prayed, and it became a consensus that we were supposed to engage with the Antimora people. Now, you're going to hear something that's really crazy about those other two. Just hang on. So we began to say, okay, God, you're going to send somebody from here, and we're going to find a way to get the gospel to him. And God raised up some incredible people. One of them is still on the field there today, Tiffany, who is now married A young Malagasy man, and I'm assuming they're doing well and everything's going great. The other one that is there representing our Lord and representing us is here with us today. I want you to give a great welcome to Ansel Raganuth. Come on, Ansel. Thank you very much. Thank you. You're welcome. So this is the young man that said, David, I believe God wants me to go. He actually was going to go somewhere else and do the same thing we're talking about, telling the story. And the Lord spoke to him and said, why do you want to go where they've already heard it and they told me no? God said, why don't you go somewhere where they've never had a chance to tell me no and tell them for the first time. And so Ansel said, I want to be that one. I want to go. And we sent him. And you know what happened? This is what happened. He gets over there. And so bring us up today, kind of give us a picture, a glimpse, what has happened since you and Tiffany and the gospel has come to them. In their
1: seven years, and um, it's the, the glory of God has exploded among the anti people. We, had, we have, he, the Holy Spirit has allowed us to share the gospel with 17,000 people. We have 11 churches. We have 1,200 baptisms. We have 120 songs that are all from the Bible, Bible verses only, and it's only the beginning. And as pastor said, God has opened the door and maybe we will actually go into the anti, Antifasi and the Antishaka. And so First Baptist, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I think of my people group. I think of the old people. <laughs> oh, they love loving you so much. All I think about actually. It's
0: my people. Thank you for sending me. Amen. Man, we are honored to send you. You are doing what this tells us to do. Go tell the story. And you're telling the story. Did you say 1,200 baptisms?
1: 1,200 baptisms.
0: How many churches? 11 churches
1: established with pastors, 65 people in theological education by extension. Yeah. So great men and women raising up. That's the ark.
0: <laughs> that's the ark. Yeah.
1: I told the guys in the north to build the church, and they built an ark.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness!
1: These are our meetings, our youth conferences. We have youth conferences,
0: and Look at the youth that. are
1: teaching the youth. Yeah. This is a, if, Oh, this is where we built the ark.
0: <laughs> oh, that's pretty yeah. ark right. So, what you're seeing and what you're hearing is exactly what the shepherds did. They went and told everybody. Now. Some wondered at what you're saying, yeah. but some believed yes. what you're saying. So the reason we go and tell is not because they'll believe every time. It's just because we are supposed to tell the story.
1: And you said it when I left. The last words of encouragement you gave to me was, you, do, you never know who will follow your obedience. And so your obedience, uh, you might be praying for a family member, and that family member comes to Christ because you're obedient to go where Jesus sent
0: That's you. That's right and to tell the story I tell the story so we want to pray for you what's something we can pray for i know we're going to pray for obviously your health right. and we're going to pray the gospel continues to prosper there and that i mean i don't know if you heard him say it but how cool would this be is that we prayed and god told us to go to the Antamora people and we did and because of that obedience now, the Antimora people are going to be going to the other two groups that we had been praying for. I yeah. think that's pretty cool. The Antifasci and the Antishak. It. Yes. Yeah, I'm praying that happens. What can we pray though? What's... Give us a project or something the that we need to pray for. The
1: biggest prayer request is there is a... Uh, we want to get on the national radio. We have a radio program down there that we do in Manakara and some of the other little villages. But what we want to do is get on the national radio where all the Malagasy get their information. If we get on the national radio with our music and our preaching, we'll be able to share the gospel, not with thousands, but with millions. Amen. So if you keep us prayer. Amen.
0: Pray for us. Amen. Hey, let's pray for that right now. Father, I know what the shepherds did that night. is what you told us to do. Just go tell. And so, Lord, if there's a way that we could tell on the radio in Madagascar, to touch the lives of millions. Lord, would you open that door for Ansel? Would you provide a way? Because I know it pleases you and it honors you to tell the story over and over and over. Thank you, Jesus. We pray it together in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, one more time. Help me thank Ansel. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, God. you, man. Bless so yeah. you. Bless you. Too. Bless you. So it's pretty simple. Shepherds went back to work. We're going back to work. They worshiped. We're going to keep singing. And they told everybody, we got to tell. So I want to challenge you. Who are you going to tell? Who are you going to talk to? Make it simple. Just start with one. Hey, I'm just going to tell them. Make sure they know why I do what I do and what has happened in my life, what's changed my life. Can I tell you, when I was uh, nine years old, I became a Christian. And it was a very incredible experience for me at nine, even though I was just nine. And I remember the first thing that happened the night that I gave my life to Christ. I went home, I said, Dad, I've got a friend, his name is Eddie. I don't think Eddie knows about Jesus. Is there any way I could go and talk to him tonight? Now, this was probably eight at night, 30, nine, I don't know, I don't remember the time. My dad looked at me and said, son, absolutely. I'm so thankful for people like Ansel whose heart breaks for somebody who has never heard. My dad had that heart, and today he's with Jesus, and I know Jesus has told him, well done. My dad looked at me and said, let's get ready. Let's go. My dad didn't know where Eddie lived. He didn't know even who Eddie was. He just knew I needed to go tell Eddie something that had happened to me. So we show up at Eddie's house. I can remember some of the details like it was last night. And Eddie comes to the door, and I said, Eddie, I'm just sorry it's late, but I just had to come tell you, man, I got saved tonight. Jesus came into my life, and I, you're my best friend. I just wanted you to know. Well, that night we talked to Eddie, and Eddie didn't say, well, let me follow Jesus too. I'm ready to go. No. Six months later at camp, he was in the bunk above me. And I remember the night I heard the counselor praying with Eddie to give his life to Jesus. Six months later. But to me, what I did in going and telling, I just did it because that's what we're supposed to do. And then God did the rest. Can we say, God, I'm ready. I'll tell the story. I'm going to tell the story. And so what a way to think about Christmas and the day after Christmas. It's a wonderful day after Christmas. We're going to celebrate Jesus every day. Thank you for doing it today. God bless you. Have a wonderful new year. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.